Welcome to show 73 of the Cloth Over Podcast. This is our special third anniversary show. It is a conversation with one of the first supporters and the first brands that I had on the Cloth Over Podcast. When I met Anna virtually three years ago to sit down and talk about cloth diapering, I don't think I ever expected for our relationship and the support that she gave me and the support back to kind of grow the way it is and has. So today is just about almost an hour-long conversation of the two of us chatting about some questions that you guys had for us, as well as many cloth diaper tangents about what is going on now, what has gone on, and the role and the future that we see of the cloth diaper industry. If you're new here and this is your first time tuning into the Cloth Diaper Podcast, my name is Bailey. I am the host of the Cloth Diaper Podcast, and this is a space where we tell stories from cloth diaper brands, parents, and retailers around the world. It's an opportunity to be more transparent and more uh, open about what goes on in the cloth diaper industry. So much about cloth diapering happens online, on the internet, and behind a keyboard. Through the Cloth Diaper Podcast, I had kind of hoped that we could maybe change the narrative and change the rhetoric of cloth diapering. We are seeing that happen, and I am so excited for the future of cloth diapering as we continue to be more open and more uh, inclusive in some ways about this wide array of different cloth diaper experiences. Because cloth diapering is not this or that but instead so many passionate, crazy entrepreneurs behind the scenes trying to support you in doing whatever you want to do. Yo, I just want to give you a heads up that Anna's audio quality is not good. I spent a lot of time trying to get this to sound good. I would recommend that you don't listen to it with your headphones on and that you probably listen to it in a loud room or in your car uh, because she has a lot of static and I just couldn't kill that static. But we are an indie podcast that is recorded from my... home in Northern British Columbia, and I have zero audio editing skills besides that which I learn by doing. So thank you for your support. If you would like to hire me a professional podcast editor, uh, I'm always open for donations and um, sponsored posts. So thank you. This is your warning. So where is Nerdy Mamas today? What have you done and achieved over the last three years? I kind of, my reason for having you on the show is because I'm like, I want some of your... Oh my God. Crazy. So three years ago, I was halfway through my my first release. Yeah. So since then, we've done two more releases and um, six prints in the second one, six prints in the third one. And I'm actually finishing up the design work for my fourth release. Um, I've done a lot of companies, um, they do like a release every like quarter, it seems like. And I just like, I can't keep up with that. Um, And I just feel like it's so funny because people are like, oh, what are you putting out new stuff? I'm like, y'all got to be happy with what I have. We we are here to conserve and to not not create more weight. So like I feel like you know sticking with the yearly, especially now, like trying to do every single year, do a new release, um, kind of jives more with my um, overall philosophy on like not saturating the market, not overbuying, 
Because if I'm only offering you six new things a year, you can't blame me when you have 500. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they could. Somebody could just buy 500 of the exact same print. And you released your solids. You released solids earlier this year for your pockets, correct? I kind of forgot about that release because it was just like I wanted to just, you know, fill a need in the market. And it was... It was so easy to do because I didn't have to design anything. I just was like, I want, the hardest part was definitely picking the colors of, you know, they send you like a, a swatch of like 80 different colors and I'm flipping through them and I'm like, oh God, I can only pick three. What do I do? Yeah, I really, really wanted, because I see so many, so many people looking for like good quality diapers, but they don't want to spend 15 20 even $25 on a single diaper. So I was like, well, if I can offer you three diapers for $25. That seems like it would be great to, you know, just get people started. And I mean, it's doing really well. I have the covers in the pockets and then you can add the inserts for like an additional, I think it's $10 more. I should know this. This is my, this is my product. Yeah. It's $35 for the, um, the added inserts. But again, you're not getting microfiber inserts. So it's not like, you know, you get this system and then you're like, Oh, now I have to buy more stuff. So, you know, that was the, the mentality behind it. And I think it's good. Um, obviously, you know, they're not like super cute prints, but, you know, I tried to theme them after something that was like the, the within the, the, the Pokemon this time. So, um, but I mean, even diapers aside, I've added so many like things to the website, like leggings now, you can get t-shirts now, you can get little zipper pouches. Um, I think my new favorite thing are the um, <laughs> the hooded bath towels for babies. Because like, I'm looking at these bath towels on, uh, you know, making my registry and stuff. And I'm like, wait, why am I my bath towels? What are you doing? <laughs> I, was like, I kind of forgot that I had them for a second. But you know, they're super cute. And it's like, especially if you really like to theme stuff, they make really nice like novelty gifts. Like if you have like a parent that, you know, who, you know, likes a certain fandom or something, you can, um, you know, they make really cute gifts. Plus, you know, you can match stuff. Like I've got to the point now where you can pretty much like piece an entire like nursery thing together. <laughs> oh, I've got, I had asked in your group for some questions and I have a couple of questions and I think we should start with Amanda Armstrong's because people who haven't listened to the first show won't know this. And she asks, how did you get the idea behind the brand and who supported the idea the most to encourage you to do what you've been doing? Oh, okay. So the idea definitely came out of seeing, I'm going to talk some trash for a second here, seeing like other places would create these designs and these prints with fandom pop culture images, but blatantly like taken off the internet, like Google image searched and like just slapped it on a diaper. And there was never any, um, never a good place to like ask a question other than where can I buy something? There was no like, how do I do this? How do I do that? What do I do if I'm having a problem? There, there was almost no support in the majority of these groups. I feel like for the longest time, cloth diaper brands have kind of pushed off the responsibility of educating people on how to do things on like people like you, on bloggers, on influencers. And then of course, there's there's a lot of people who have a platform. They just use it to talk. And then it's like, that's not good information. That's not good information. Figure tying in, you know, quality support and also the reputation of having a business kind of like keeps the two in check. Like I can't be can't be giving out terrible advice and then still expect people to want to buy stuff from me. 
so cool about so the print thing like we do we see so many especially like co-op and other brands they just like they take images off google and they just platter on my diaper and they think it's all okay and it's not it's not great well first of all you usually get terribly poor quality print yeah. and second of all it's like that was an artist but so when you do your prints though you're because you design them and then you hire a you have a friend who's a graphic designer, right? Who digitizes them for you. It's just like- It's all for a mom, so it kind of kept in that nerdy mama's- It's just this like beautiful support of artists. And like, I think that is such an important element of cloth diapering. We have these beautiful prints on, and I know every now and then Apple Cheeks will remember to tag their designer and Kinder Cloth, you follow Kinder Cloth on TikTok. She she's a, yeah, she's a graphic designer too. I just saw that TikTok and it's just like why why are we why are we taking crap off Google when there's so many talented artists in our industry that we could just like support? Kind of reminds me of that graphic that was circulating at the beginning of COVID that was talking about like the least important job. One of them was artists, and then like the bottom caption was like the artist creating this graphic. Yeah, like uh like as a content, like I'm a writer, which also feels like equally unimportant sometimes to artistry but like I've never been busier in my life like yeah. people need graphics they need writing and it's just like whether or not you're actually going to pay someone for their time or not which is that's a huge topic you and I talk about a lot in our dms about paying people people feeling like they're people giving away their time and all that kind of thing which maybe this is a good question here that I see that Amber LaPera wrote, which is what have you learned along your journey as a small business owner in this niche market? Well, I'm still trying to figure out how to best quantify, put value on my time and efforts. If I could, honestly, I would, you know, put out $10 diapers and, you know, do more releases and give people more stuff because like, I just want to make it as accessible as possible. But then like the reality is, is that I can't effectively run a business if I just give something. <laughs> it's 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 a struggle because it's like, you know, there's also competing with other businesses that are like so much bigger and I have to like kind of put the blinders on and just kind of focus on what I'm doing. Should I have grown more than I did in the last few years? Like, should I be doing more? Um, but then again, you know, I do what I can where I can. Um, well, and you're so niche. That's like, and we've talked about that. Like, it's just like. Like within, within the niche community of cloth diapering, there is the niche community of, uh, you know, just being a dork, I guess. <laughs> uh, I think also that's kind of why I thrive on TikTok so much is because like the humor that kind of kickstarted TikTok is like the humor that I was like so used to like just kind of doing and being in even when I'm in middle school and high school and then like early college, it's like, oh, we're just goofing off. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I have a really hard time with TikTok because I just want to be snarky, but I know that like not being, I know that like when I stopped being snarky, like it was really good for my mental health though, so. That's true too. That's true too. That, that whole, um, I try not to get into drama, like the whole um, content creator that will remain named. Like, there is one person that keeps commenting and they're like, can you just tell me who it is? And I'm just like, I'm going to ignore this comment now because I've already addressed why I'm not naming this. It also depends on like when you started. Like I've been on TikTok since like 2018, like right when they went from 
being musically to being TikTok. So like all of the original trash that we were doing, it was just like, oh, this is funny to me. And, um, but yeah, they've gotten a lot better, obviously, because I think their technology has gotten better. But I mean, sometimes I get on TikTok and I'm like, I'm going to be attacked. Like, why are you calling me out so hard with some of these videos? <laughs> I shouldn't relate to this. Um, TikTok has been like a really great resource, I guess, for I've seen you use to kind of, I kind of answering Amber's question here about how you've helped grow your niche community to become more mainstream. Uh, I mean, you market yourself as the CEO of Cloth Diaper TikTok. You're just going to own that label and you're just going to go with it. I am forever. Um, until somebody surpasses me, then um, I don't know, I'll we could just we could just start teams i mean you could have more than one ceo someone could be ceo of cloth nappy tiktok we're good i think like one thing i've been kind of thinking about when i like talk to people in my dms lately has just been like just claim things like like don't wait for someone to appoint you suddenly something you can go give as much wash routine advice as me like you honestly don't know anything more than me i mean we're all just people right like exactly but you know that's one thing that i, I try not to um try not to gatekeep is um wash routine advice going back to like what i've done to grow my niche like because i have you know my tiktok following and i do so much better there than like no one no one likes me on instagram like i'm not friends with people <laughs> it's just me taking you and yeah. <laughs> you and Jay, and that's like it. And then every so often, someone's like, "Oh, that's cute. I guess I like her picture." It's the aesthetic. I struggle so much with the Instagram aesthetic. It's just like I'm not that cute. I'm more like they're good though. So I mean, that works no matter where you are. Yeah. But on Facebook, like I'm really impressed with how my Facebook group has grown because, like, one of the things that I'm really adamant about is if you're going to give an answer to somebody's question I, I want to know did it work for you or is this something that you heard from somebody who heard it from somebody else because if you heard it from somewhere and you haven't executed it yourself I don't I don't want you sharing it and if you can't give me like a reason about why you're saying this then it's probably not valid just because there's so much bad information circulating well and so when I was training to be, when I was training, when I was like thinking about one day I wanted to be an admin, all I was doing was just repeating what people were saying to me with no other context. And we've all played telephone in fourth grade where we learned that at the end of the day, it just ended up into some sort of garbage. And that's what the cloth diaper community has been doing for a decade. And that's why I love and why I started the show is like, let's just get to the point. Let's just talk to Anna directly and find out what her deal is instead of like assuming six years later that it's because somebody screwed her over. Or... But even like um, your, the absorbency videos, like you posted one the other day and I was like, I've been looking for this exact specific video because people keep asking me like, which one absorbs the best, which one absorbs the fastest. And I'm at a point now where if somebody tells me that you have to use microfiber because it's fast absorbing, I'm going to kick you in the head because that's not true. It does absorb quickly, but just as quickly as it absorbs, it's going to squeeze right out. But cotton bamboo. The reason I reposted that was because I was on the phone with somebody and we were also talking about textiles and it was just like, yes, faster. But when we say faster, we literally mean by like two seconds. You can't 
you can't watch it happen. And that video, I can remember like redoing that so many times being like, I'm sure I'm doing this wrong. Like maybe I've got the wrong, like I've tried so many products that I, it's complete baloney and I just want to smack everybody on the head. And it's, I don't know where this rumor came from. I don't know where this whole like textile speed thing came from. But it sounds good. It and sounds no question it. And that's, that's where I've been trying to break the mold because like even stuff like, you can only use powder detergent and then like one step above that is you can only use Tide powder detergent. Okay, so that was like the one allergic to Tide. Like what happens then? They just can't. Like what are you saying? Like for every one rule that I've seen, there's always been like a handful of people that are like, well, that works for me. So does that mean that I can't do it because they're telling me I can? It's like, that shouldn't be how, how we're conducting telling people you know how to do stuff like if it works for you then you should do it um i love the conversation around like pod detergents because people will say oh you can't do that it's like well you can if that's what is most accessible to you like i know when we went to uh greece back in 2019 uh, we had a washing machine in the airbnb that we were staying in but Almost all the detergent over there comes in pots. Nobody uses like the liquid or, in, or, or it's like scoop detergent, but for, you know, cheaper stuff. And also if we're only going to be there for two weeks, do I need, you know, a 50 pack? No, you don't need that much, but the pot. So it's like, if I had was cloth diapering at that time and I didn't know that I can just make the situation work for me, I would have been like, oh crap, now we got to buy disposables because I can't even for pots. So <laughs> this is, this is becoming like, so for listeners, I mean, we've really kind of deviated from these questions, which is fine, which is what I expected to happen. But this is actually becoming an international problem. The more internationals that I talk to, so I've been talking with parents from the Maldives and the Philippines and everywhere, and they're getting and they're struggling within their communities because they're getting North American advice from popular accounts that were 2014, 2015. They're finding old blog posts, they're finding old forums, they're finding people who cloth diapered five, seven years ago who have this one way or the highway. And then they're looking at what they've got. You know, they're looking at like, we only have pods. Does that mean we can't do this? Or we only have G diapers. Does this mean we can't do this? And so, they're struggling. This international community is like, now they're working the same battles that we're working at a North American level where we're trying to overcome. We've, I feel like we're making some good headway here. And it's repeating all over the world as people find this like one way or the highway information. And it's, I don't think we've ever thought about what the global impact of the stories and the situations that we were saying are. Um, it's so tunnel vision. And so I think that's why my account has grown to be so international because people are like, we're looking for something we need some help. And what the, you guys said was supposed to help isn't doing it. So what do we do now? And I'm just like, I don't know, just if it works, it works. Um. Well, like, I think the only, the only thing that I will 100% like stand behind is like, you cannot do this is you cannot use fabric softener and you cannot use dryer sheets yeah that and i and it's like i'm not telling you this because i don't like it like literally i walk down the detergent aisle and i see a bottle of fabric softener it makes me itch i'm just like eh. the reason but you know i know tons of people who love and use fabric softener in their regular clothing you know yeah. <laughs> um but you know you can tell somebody don't do this because it will cause 
this, like having a cause and effect. Like we learned that in school. You can't just make a late up a base claim and not back it up with information. Mm-hmm. Gotten people who will say, you know, they have this number of, you know, factors going into their wash routine and they have this number of resources available to them. And then it's like, okay, well, we're going to break the mold of the, you know, traditional wash routine. I don't even know what that means anymore, but we're going to figure out something that works for you. Like I have a friend who doesn't have washing in her apartment. She takes everything to the coin laundry, but coin laundry costs like $4 a load, which can be insane. So she does like almost like a hand wash after at the end of the day for each change and then hangs everything to dry. Um, and she does it in her bathtub. And then when it comes time to wash clothes, she washes her diaper laundry with the baby's clothes. And, you know, she's sure he has to wash the baby's clothes, but throwing in the diapers just, you know, makes it so that you're not spending more money to do laundry. Cause again, not everybody has access to reliable laundry either. And I feel like that's a huge conversation topic that people just don't want to address because there's, there's that elitism of, Oh, disposable diapers well you just must not care about you know whatever whatever well I feel like maybe I just live in a different bubble I don't feel like I get that a whole lot but I do I feel so this is probably where it comes from is like big groups they're trying to find an easy answer and say like if you just follow this recipe it's always going to work and as somebody who's been spending five years now saying well the recipe doesn't work just do whatever you make your up your own recipe that is terrifying to people um and so it's just like how do we re-navigate this but that's a great way I love I actually was trying to tell somebody uh in my dms the other day about how to do that for coin off they were asking me about coin off and I was like a lot of people like you really want to like hand wash them at home and then bring them all and wash them with everything else it's very Europe. I want to say European because that's what a lot of Europeans do as well as they just wash their diapers with their regular clothes every day yeah. Especially like I know in uh, specifically in Cyprus, like your water, like, if you walk through the village, I mean literally, like we don't like there's cities, but most everybody lives in a village. And every house has a um a, a, a mini water tower. Your your water is stored in there, and that is the amount of hot water you get for the day. And um it's heated by the sun because that's why it's on top of your roof. So once you've used up all that hot water, you're kind of and then there's people that will tell you that oh well, you have to use hot water so it's like what am I supposed to do if I don't have hot water like people that you know live out of their RVs or people who you know hot water is just an additional utility expense that they don't want to or cannot incur like, there has to be a way to change the conversation to allow it to be accessible and universal and inclusive and all of the things that we like, all those like feel good words that we like to throw around. But this is like always what struggles me is like, I feel like my everyday, and I don't know if this is because I work in public relations or because I'm just like an involved human is like around this. Things have to be inclusive. Things have to be diversive. Like this morning, I was already in two conference calls where I was like, how do we make this more inclusive? How do we make this more diversive? Like this is my entire life. So why, why are, like, why? Maybe, maybe that's it is I should get somebody from one of these other big nappy groups to come join me and be like, why are you guys not thinking about this? (laughs) But that terrifies me and I just want to do my own thing. (laughs) 
don't know. I guess there's a lot more big groups than the ones that like I'm even in. Cause like I get to a point now where I join a group because I'm like curious about like what what the dynamic is, what the rhetoric is, what is being said behind you know in these private groups. And then like within a week, I'm like, I want get me out of here. Cause like like my most recent TikTok that people are like, excuse me, what paying somebody to help you like. Like, I, I saw it, and I read it, like, six times, and I'm like, like is she joking? She, she has to be joking. So, like, the, the post, I was like, oh, my God, she's not joking. I, like, okay, so I'm I'm consulting with a diaper bank right now in uh, Melville. I'm uh, not Milwaukee. I'm consulting with a diaper bank in the United States right now, and we're building a paid-for course on cloth diapering. And so you would you would pay to access this course, this webinar, essentially. In your book, your book has sound quality advice, but you as a person cannot print a book for free. Like it doesn't work like that. Yeah. So, so that's where like, I kind of get why sometimes groups are at this point where they're charging for advice, like to give advice because people are getting burnt out. But the problem is, and that's what I did in TikTok is like, the problem is, is that we have moved to buying co-op, buying cheap diapers that people don't get paid for their time. And I think that circles back to you as well, recognizing that if you're going to be creating this content and supporting people, your product needs to be able to support your life. Right. And it's like, so the cloth diaper brands need to be supporting those those influencers as well, those groups. And and I've seen that in my own income streams. I will occasionally get gifted money from a cloth diaper brand just being like, I love what you're doing. We need to be supporting the people who are supporting the community. And so that's where those groups that are asking for money, they've been let down by the cloth diaper industry, by the cheapy space, by co-ops, by people who will refuse to support us financially. And it's always like a teetering kind of a thing. Like, you know, we talk about, you know, cheaper diapers, could be negatively impacting the, the community. But I feel like the official Mama Koala company, um, Alba Baby, who both told me we don't have a budget for you when they approached me and asked me to do a review. And I was like, that's, uh, that, that's creepy. That's weird. But they also recently changed their business model because going back to things that are negatively impacting the community, you've got all of these, I would call them fly-by-night, you know, brands. I like to use brands in quotations because it's just like, it doesn't feel like a legitimate business because again, it goes back to the ones that are just like taking random images. Like if you're using the Chick-fil-A logo and the Target logo or like the Starbucks logo or like an actor's face, I know for a fact that you did not get Neil Patrick Harris's permission to put his name, his face on a diaper or, you know, any of those people, like they did not give you permission to do that, but you did it because you found a place like Mama Koala that will, you know, fulfill and do the entire back end of your business. And then you just get to reap the benefits of selling a $10 diaper that actually costs you only like maybe $2 to, to manufacture. And it's like those people, I feel like that low cost uh, brand niche is negatively impacting the community because they put out so much variety. And again, not of it is good quality. And then they also don't offer good information. But then you also have like actual mama koala, regardless of their weird, we don't have a budget BS, because that they definitely have a budget. Or like Alba or Simply Being or even Nora's Nursery, like that does fill a need in the community because there are people that can't afford 
10, 15, $20 diapers. They need to buy $5, five diapers for $35. Like they need that. And it's, I, I think it's just like trying to come to some sort of, some sort of balance. Um, time, you know, having the, the low cost diapers is good for people who, you know, need to buy, you know, 30 or 40 diapers and they don't want to spend $600 on it. But then on the flip side, people who buy one or 200 diapers because they were five or $6, it's like, well, I can't tell you how to spend your money, but that feeds into that whole, you know, biggest stash, cutest prints, must have, must have, must have, um, which again is why I don't do like excessive amounts of releases. Like every single design that I put out, it's not just like one thing you look at and you're like, oh, it's flowers or, oh, it's, you know, sailboats or it's lollipops or, you know, whatever, whatever. It's like I took a whole bunch of different things and I put them together to create something that you're not going to find anywhere else. And while, you know, not everybody's going to appreciate the artistry of it. Like when I see it, I feel good about what I made because it's not, you know, you can't find it anywhere else. And it's I think it's by listening to this is I like, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to laugh just because it's just, there's so, there's two polar dy- dynamics in our community, right? Like there are people who come into cloth diapering for the cute factor and they just consume, consume, consume. And then I also have in my DMs, these messages about why aren't you supporting more environmentally friendly diapering? And you're like, there's, there's two people. There's the ones who do this super conscientious consumerism. And then there's people who are like, just whatever. And you're like, there's, wow. There's no, um, what's the, what's the phrase? There's, there's no ethical consumerism okay. under capitalism. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> it's true. Like that whole, you know, um, and I, I fall prey to it a lot. Like agonizing. But that, that saying doesn't mean we can just go consume to our heart's content. I mean, when we say there's no ethical consume, it doesn't mean that we should go buy 7,000 diapers. It means just do what you got to do to survive. Yeah, it's like when people tell you that, well, cloth diapering doesn't make a difference because you still have to wash your diapers with water. And it's like, yeah, well, you still have to drink water and you still have to wash your own. You know, you get- so actually, I should, um, are you on LinkedIn? I'll show this video. It's uh, Bambino Mio was working with the UN. Anyways, they put together this little video about how washing and they kind of outlined what were the things that you need to do to have less of an environmental impact from washing. And I think that those things, those things are counterintuitive to what a lot of big groups are saying, but those things are things that are people in Europe, in the Philippines, in the Maldives are doing and having success doing. And that North Americans, we could maybe work on talking about how can we pivot our routines to be more environmental friendly, to reuse less water, because right now we are, we are doing some interesting things when we wash diapers. In general. Um, what has inspired you to make the products that you make, especially when it comes to extended sizing diapers um, and this like idea about the one knees she feels i feel like this trend of extended sizes has not been grasped by the mainstream industry so i always admire a diaper maker who acknowledges and caters to the needs of the community okay so specifically in regards to the extended size uh i grew up with a brother who is autistic or depending on i know everyone has different terms of 
but he prefers to be referred to as an autistic person. He, he has autism and he is a person. He's, you know, an autistic person. And um, I remember, you know, my mom always like, you know, mentioning about how he is the oldest and then there's like three more of us. And she was always saying that after potty training, my brother, my oldest brother, it was just like, it didn't matter when any of us did it because it was always going to be so much easier because, you know, it wasn't as expensive because it didn't go as long. And then you also have a lot of different brands that they say that they fit up to like 30 or 35 pounds, but then you find out that they're really maxing out around 20 or 25 pounds, depending on the build of your child. And then just the increased prevalence in needing to divert past the age of like two or three years old. And I think the average age is between three and a half and four and a half years old right now, like normal average, not even including like the neurodivergent demographic and how it can go further. Um, I wish I could make a diaper that, you know, was even bigger than the one that, you know, I've been working on now, but um, I just feel like it's something that um, a lot of families, a lot of people don't talk about because it's just not a, it's not a fun part of cloth diapering. What do I do when my child can't potty train or won't potty train or doesn't have the ability to do so? And now all of the cloth diapers that I was using don't fit. So I wanted to just kind of like, obviously I'm not going to fill the void as a whole, but even if like, I know I put out my big kid diapers back in 2019. Yeah, I think so. And in the last two years, and I'm not saying that I started a trend or anything, but in the last two years, I have seen multiple like small businesses and multiple larger businesses like really start pushing that larger size. Like Alba has always had adult sized cloth diapers, but a lot of people just don't know about it because Alba's like one of those ambiguous, like, oh, you just buy cheap diapers from them and it's fine. But I mean, they've had not even just like for big kids, for actual adults, like people like us or older, not us, like, you know, older people who are disabled. I think, well, and I would say Katie is to Katie is that I feel like the trend isn't, I feel like it is fairly mainstream. I feel like there are a lot of brands that do have bigger sizes and having talked with Snap Easy and having talked with other um, cloth diaper parents who have used larger sizes, the struggle is really with the, there's, there's a fetish community and it can make that marketing near impossible to get to the right people without attracting the wrong people. And so I think that's why we don't really know. And like, it's about how she was really struggling to get her products on Amazon because of the word hemp, because of decades of stigma around hemp. And so she's been struggling to get hemp products on Amazon. And so people are struggling to get bigger size diapers and talk about bigger size diapers because of this other community that exists that uses them. And so I think, I think that's it. And we'll never see them mainstream because we're always going to be struggling with stigma. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, every so often I will get somebody who will follow one of my social media accounts and it's just very blatant that this is not an appropriate account. And I've done it before where I'm like, I'll screenshot it. I'll go through, I'll block that person. And then I will go through all of the, and it takes a while, but I, I got a couple of friend requests on my personal Facebook the other day. I was like, because we just, and and Thirsties has always had the size three and they've expanded into their size four. 
Um, Genius goes their supplies from time to time, and like Rovia has a bigger size. So I, I, I kind of I see a lot of people offering it on the side. Like if they get asked, a lot of times brands need to get asked to be like, you know, like the fifth time they get said, hey, you should make a bigger diaper for me. Then they might. So if you're like listening and you're wanting bigger diapers, or bigger your favorite brands, they will. They we listen. We like it when you tell us what to do and tell them what you need. Because I, I also had a conversation with a mom here on the show, and I feel like we ended this conversation that some of the bigger diapers being made don't actually work for how she needs to change her baby or mm. how she needs to change her six-year-old. Um, so that she needs to be like hey, you know what, this would be better if you do this. But I think what we're coming up to is some issues with patents in our industry and patents preventing some products being made. So Yeah, I have a love-hate with patents in general. Like I've always considered maybe I should because I've been making a product a very specific way for almost six years now. But at the same time, I'm not here to gatekeep, you know, because I did not invent diapers. I did not invent anything associated with the particular design like my background was in costume sewing before i started actually designing and figuring out how i wanted my cloth diaper to look when i started nerdy mamas so like nothing that i was doing was unique it was just unique based on the configuration that i was putting it into for the product that i was making yeah. And I think that's like what I, the more I talk with brand makers, the more I learn that, yeah, okay. Those two diapers look near identical, but actually, you know what, Louise sent back seven copies and she tweaked. And if you actually compare the elastic here has been shortened by a quarter of an inch and that made a big difference for her or whatever the adjustments were like you can put, I often put two diapers and I'm like, Oh, they're near identical. But then you get on the phone with the brand and they're like, well, no, actually, like I I kind of, it's like this small, you probably, you know, like, she's like, it made a huge difference. I swear, Bailey, which are things that as a blogger reviewer, I rarely touch upon, but are, but are part of this like complexities of this industry and the products in it. And that's also why like um, when I'm designing anything, I always try to go based on, you know, what I like and what I know resonates with other people. But that definitely comes out more so in the prints that I design than in the actual product. Like, you know, you only make a pocket diaper so different from somebody else's pocket diaper. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm not going to try to like, because it gets to a point where it's like too much innovation creates a product that is almost. <laughs> I was like, I, so I can't, sometimes I sit down and I'm like, I'm going to write some cloth diaper reviews today. And if I do like three pockets in a row I'm just like I get so grumpy by the third one because I'm like these are all the same there's no point in reviewing any of them um so in the diaper you put it in there that is what you do like that's a there's an elastic there's a well it will work (laughs) they all the only thing that I really see like a lot of innovation in it is like all-in-ones and all-in-two snap-ins is like probably the biggest innovative area that's happening all in twos confused me for the longest time because everybody had like a different everybody has a different definition of what an all-in-two is or an understanding of an all-in-two like my pocket diaper is technically an all-in-two i don't supply snap-in inserts because the consensus from everybody in my group was honestly i don't even use the snaps all the time is there an internal snap in there is it's in there just don't talk about it (laughs) 
in the nappy world they call them snapping ones and i've been kind of i try to i've been using that term a lot when i talk about them as like this is a diaper that has snapping inserts because when i called them an all in two it was like what wtf are you talking about so <laughs> this is a diaper that snaps in you exactly the snaps if you want you can use the snaps if you don't but then like also like some some all in snapping ones all in twos whatever you want to call them some of them have a lining some of them don't have a lining so it's like some of them have a pocket some of them don't sometimes you can only use it once because if there's a lining then it's like wow it got wet <laughs> like it's just and that's like the variations and you get you figure out what you like do you like the lining do you not like the lining i always liked linings because my washing machine would eat pul and i felt like a lining protected it it's a scary thing about a washing machine. It's like, are you gonna ruin this? Some, I, you know what? And it's just one of those things that I gave up on. I was like, well, who knows why this is happening to my PUL? A bad batch too. Like I remember back when, so I was seven, so about six years ago, when I was like in my sweet spot of like I know what I was doing and I was figuring out what I liked because I had gravitated from like my first stash. Like we talked about it in the very first interview that we. Mm-hmm. was just a bunch of like Alva pocket diapers because all I had was $50 to invest and that got me 10 diapers which got me through like an entire day of diapering and I washed them at night but you know after about six months into pop diapering I was like trying other brands and there was this one brand um Bale and Jess or Jess and Bale I can't remember exactly what the, the name was but it was basically a company out of China that was, you know, compliant and certified, safety tested, you know, all the things that we want to see from an open mm-hmm. manufacturer, from any manufacturer. And it was a really cute, it was an all-in-one, had a microfiber insert, but um, I wasn't like super crazy about it, but the overall fit was really nice. They had the internal double gussets. This was before the patent was filed that eliminated that from other brands. They worked really well for like six months. And then one day I got an order of diapers from them and I put them through the wash and all of the the PUL fused. Mm. You could see it on the outs because you, obviously you can't check the inside of an all-in-one because there was no pocket to access. But you could see it had completely wrinkled on the outside and it looked like it had melted. And I was like, what the heck is going on? This has never happened before. And I wasn't, my water temperature hadn't changed. My wash routine hadn't changed. It was just... You just get you just get a bad batch, and I think the last runs that she tried to do, there was a there was a fabric malfunction, and that's why it never came in stock. It can really be detrimental because it's like you don't know that that's going to happen until everything gets to you. And it takes months to go through the process of, and then you have to. Sometimes it means you need a new whole new factory, and then so if you're wondering why you're brand hasn't released their fourth print like that's it can be it can be a huge hindrance and that's fun too because it's like uh sometimes I, I wonder like oh i wonder where these people uh this new brand is you know getting their diapers made because it's like such a different cut or whatever whatever and i think that's that's the biggest uh like especially between specifically like the mama koala and all of the various people that use mama koala for manufacturing fulfillment like that diaper, it's shaped so much differently. Like any of my diapers or like an Alva or um, any of the other brands that I've seen. There's another manufacturer that was really popular with the, I call them the lower rabble co-op brands. That was Mom's Best. Yeah. And uh, like very similar to an Alva, but still not exactly the same. 
still so different from the mom. <laughs> what I love most though, like one of my, I mean, I'm, at the end of the day, my biggest question I always have for brands is about like their sourcing of their materials. And that's often where you can see the biggest difference is I think, so Christine at Lily, Little Fanny Pants, she was, when I had her on the show, she was talking a lot about finding the right bamboo fabric and finding the right, and that that was the hardest part. And that's kind of what sets apart a lot of these brands that are essentially all using same factories as everybody else, but it just depends on are they sourcing the right material? Are they sourcing a material that's going to work for families or are they just being okay with whatever grade they're being given? And that really can make a huge difference in product durability, quality, feel, experience, I feel. Which all comes down to, you know, the amount of effort that someone puts in. And I'm not saying that like, I I don't want to sound like, oh, we put more effort in, but it's if you, if you just like, you know, searched for a manufacturer and you just use whatever you could find um, versus, you know, you vetted a bunch of different places, like, you know, my quest for a factory originally, like all of my contacts came out of um, Jimmy's contacts, my husband's contacts, because he, um, he developed a whole like sneaker line back in a long time ago when we were uh, like almost a hundred years ago. Um, but you know, the one interesting thing, I didn't know this, but you know, there's no shoe manufacturers in North America for the most part. Like you can't find them. They don't, shoes do not get made here. Even if like you can ship like the molded soles and blah, blah, blah. And you can like assemble them here, but you cannot cast an original sneaker sole here in the United States. Um, I don't know if it's different up in Canada or like I don't I don't I don't there, I don't imagine but you know his sneakers were custom mold it wasn't like you know he saw somebody else doing something and he's like I want to slap my logo on that so you know all of his contacts were specifically through the uh, there's like three major uh, manufacturing districts in mainland China so you know going through them and then when I told him what I wanted to do which actually ties into the question about you know who is super supportive of me doing this Jimmy, as soon as I told him, I was like, "Hey, you can do that. You got this. We'll, find, you know, we'll, I'll, I'll send out an email to a couple of people that I work with and see if they can, you know, give some suggestions on what factories will be able to do what you want them to do." And I got a couple of different options, and I looked through them, and it was really, it was less about which factory gave the best product, and more about which factory had the most insight to give like, oh yes, I can tell you exactly where this came from. I can tell you exactly how it was manufactured. Uh, we have these options. So it was like of the four different people that I was talking to, two of them were like super transparent and super easy to communicate with. And I felt comfortable um, receiving information from them because it was easy to understand. It was easy to trace. Um, I knew that I wasn't getting low quality fabric which it's so funny you saying this because I literally just had coffee with a brand and that's why she decided not to go with China because she had had those off-putting conversations. Nobody wanted to be transparent with her. So she was like, "Mm, all right, I guess we'll find out plan E and figure it out. So it's just like, you know, like when you hear two things exactly the same way in a week and you're like, what is this? This is weird. But you know, again, I didn't, I, I, I was doing my research from inside of the factory already because mm-hmm. of those contacts and he had gotten those contacts by going to trade show conventions where literally these companies, these manufacturers will send representatives to the trade shows to 
uh, look for people who want to, you know, use their services or whatever. So, um, you know, it's a very, I had a very unique entry point into being able to manufacture cloth diapers. Would I like to find a manufacturer a little bit closer to home? Yes. Is it going to happen? No. <laughs> no, because that's another thing too. It's like, like trade secrets. Nobody wants to tell you where they get their diapers made because nobody wants to, you know, that like, if I spent six, eight months, maybe almost a year, you know, going back and forth between, you know, the company trying to figure out who could do what I wanted, sending out samples, receiving. It's so much work. It's a lot of work. Somebody, somebody in my comments the other day was like, I wish that they would describe, display their, their certifications. And I was like, well, you can just email them and they'll send them to you easy peasy. It's super easy. And she's like, no, I, like, why can't I just display them on the internet? And I was like... So I asked that, I have, I've, I've, I've asked the brand that question. And she was like, because last time I did, I lost my manufacturer because last time I did, I lost my supply. Another brand came in and bought up all the fabric. Yep. Another brand came in and bought up all of it. So I don't share that publicly. Yes. I'm willing to show you Bailey because you were asking me for it. And that's what I'm legally obligated to do. Um, but I'm not going to just put it out there for anybody to see. So sometimes it can feel really frustrating. Like people aren't being transparent, but at the end of the day, this is pretty cutthroat sometimes. I'm oh, it is. Hard. Like me personally, I had a certain somebody reach out to me because they wanted to um, act as a third party retailer for my product. I was like, okay, that's awesome. And they were like, you know, just for, you know, safety and, you know, transparency, I would just like to see the documentation, you know, for safety, quality, blah, blah, blah. So I sent that to this person and, you know, our conversation kind of fizzled. Um, she didn't follow up, which I thought was a little weird. And then like six weeks later, I get a random email from my, the, the girl that primarily um, coordinates with me on my different prints and stuff and my orders and my products and things. And she's like, just so you know, we would never release your prints to somebody else without your explicit written permission first. And I was like, well, that's strange. I appreciate you letting me know, but is this just coming out of the blue? She's like, oh, well, somebody contacted us. I was like, who? And they're like, well, they didn't really give, you know, like they gave like a name, but that doesn't, she could have given any, they could have given any name to, you know, cover up what they were doing. But it was just like very weird that it came very shortly after. This is like the fifth time I've heard the story this year. From brands, from little brands who are like small established brands who are still like, they haven't made it, but they're not, they're not, they're not beginners anymore. Like, and it's just like, so what, unfortunately we get our guards up and that's why like the community gets closer and closer because we get, we don't get collaborative. We get sneaky. And when you're being Mm -hmm. sneaky, I'm going to stop talking to you anymore. But it's hard for me because, like, I can be a very petty person, just, you know, full disclosure to anybody who doesn't have to be petty. Um, but at the same time, like, I know for a fact that the person who did this to me, one, they didn't get what they were looking for because my manufacturer straight up slammed the door in their face, was like, no, we don't do that here. But this particular entity is still like surviving and thriving in the industry doing what they're doing and i know for a fact that it's happened to like a couple of other small brands but they were so small and so naive and innocent that they didn't realize what was happening and they got taken advantage of and it was just like i love to see other people succeed like that that's another um thing that's a bit unique to me and like my brand overall 
is that I have no. Well, I think I think we're seeing. I call you guys like my little babies. Sometimes <laughs> I think about like this little collection of brands that all started at the same time my brand started, and you guys are all you're all kind of doing like Rick Taya, Marie, uh, West Coast Diaper. I mean, I haven't had the pleasure yet of convincing West Coast Diapers to come on the show. But like you know, like one of the questions I get on TikTok would be like, you know, why do you talk about other brands? Doesn't that hurt your business? And I'm like, honestly, I'm not talking about another brand that even does the exact same thing that I do. Like when I talk about Noble Baby, like. I don't make three flats. Um, two different businesses. Two completely different businesses. Or like when I talk about Petite Crown or when I talk about, you know, BB Booze or anything like that. Like I have a huge love for the women that own those brands. And then I also have a huge love for their product. And it would be really ingenuine of me to present, especially on my TikTok platform, as like I'm the one and only resource for that because like not everybody is gonna like my prints and i'm okay with that like i've had a couple of people that are legitimately like i have no clue what this is from but i love this diaper so much i don't even care i'm like oh that's great i'm glad like that's what i want is i want somebody else to start a cloth diaper podcast i don't want to be the only one yeah right and then you guys could like have a podcast I, i still think that like if we can do like uh weekly or okay I've been going live almost every other week. I've been practicing. Oh, that's good. Does that mean every two weeks or does that mean twice a week? Because I get conflicting information. Every, okay, so I've been trying to go live every few weeks when I get the courage to do it. And I'm always amazed that 10 people come and watch me talk to myself for 40 minutes. It's like you're um, talking to yourself. You're talking to those people. They just. I know, but it takes so long for the questions to come through and it just... Oh, I did a whole live uh, a couple weeks ago on my Facebook group and I hadn't swiped the right way. So all of the comments weren't showing up. So I just assumed people were listening to me and like didn't have any questions. And then all of a sudden I like touched this and swiped over and I saw all these comments. I was like, oh my gosh, guys, I'm so sorry. The Cloth Diaper Podcast is like getting 12 to 1300 downloads a week right now. And like, it's nuts that there's a thousand people listening to me talk with my terrible audio quality because I'm just an indie podcast that <laughs> I tell everybody all the time if you want really good information like uh, I can tell you what you want to hear but if you want you want other brands if you want brand stories if you want cloth diaper product reviews like go look at Bailey stuff because and it's you want free stuff and you're going to say nice things about the product but at the end of the day that doesn't actually like i haven't seen any bloggers i don't know if like um jennifer and i this is what we're chatting about right now we don't really know anybody else who's actually blogging as like a full-fledged cloth diaper resource and like i can say uh. so much because again i am technically tied up in like i guess a conflict of interest because i do own a brand but I'm, I do have, um, I have got one woman on now who's going to guest post regularly. So I've set her up with an account and a list of topics and she's just going to write. So my kind of goal is to kind of grow into a media empire more than be the voice. I'd like to transition to having more voices and I'd like to find a way to pay them. I'm just, I right now I don't I know I said I paid five hundred dollars in taxes, but like, I I didn't make most of my money through this. <laughs> so. I'm like I act like the same. Like I would love to design diapers, you know, until my dying breath. But I would love to be able to eventually get 
other designers, other people that want to be, you know, their own brand and be able to. Hi, husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that I'm kind of, I don't know what, now I'm totally off topic is like, I want to, I'm kind of working on building like a, how to be a mentor guide is. So some of the content that's going to come out this summer, I think is going to be like a mini book on how to start your own cloth diaper community, how to be a wash routine guru, how to be, how to write a review. Like I'm kind of hoping maybe that will help diversify the voices. I think it will too. Again, it just comes down nice. I don't want to say decolonize, like, you know, like colonizers, because I mean, well, I'm a white person talking to a Greek person, so. Colonized enough to where I guess I can use this term, but, you know, decolonizing the culture around wash routine, because like you were saying, it's different once you step out of North America. Um, Like I had that guest post from one of my guild members who lives in and like, I love talking to Rizelle because she has such like a fresh and innovative perspective that I can like hundred percent appreciate. And not a lot of people, yeah, but like not a lot of people will get the privilege to be able to, you know, travel outside the United States. Traveling is expensive. And even once you get out of the United States, well, now you have to eat and you have to sleep somewhere and you have to travel. So like, there's, there's so many additional expenses that come into play, but like when you leave your little culture bubble, and you see that it's like, I mean, the United States is huge. Canada's huge, but I feel like Canada is like, it's huge, but y'all are really spaced out. Like. like you talk about all these mini cultures in the state of Florida, which is why I think we need more powerful micro influencers. We need to stop saying, go to this big group. And we need to start saying, go to the Miami cloth diaper community on Facebook and go get support from mom's in your area who can sit down for a cup of coffee with you. Why are we sourcing people out when we can bring them in? It's, it's weird though, because like I, I, I agree with you 100%. Um, my local cloth diaper community, I am I am an outsider. I, I am a black sheep. People would rather talk to a mom that, you know, cloth diaper 10, 12 years ago and she has six kids. So obviously she knows what she's talking about. But like, I got myself in trouble because they would say, oh, you know, put half a bottle of vinegar into your washing machine. I'm like, no, don't, don't do that. Or they'd be like, oh yeah, you're going to do a bleach soak and you're going to bleach some, you're going to, oh no, no, don't do that. (laughs) So when somebody tells me that I usually go, so create your own damn group. And you've already done that. You've already done that. You've got your own group, you're doing your own thing. But if somebody's in your area and they're disagreeing, I'd be like, go create cloth diaper groups like a. Like, create it for your neighborhood. So Anna and I actually chatted for over 90 minutes, and I brought that down to a 60-minute show, 60 minutes of us chatting about her business, about chatting about the cloth diaper landscape and cloth diaper community. Anna is doing some really great things in the cloth diaper space. You can check out her brand, Nerdy Mamas, at nerdymamas.com. She's on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. She's on Pinterest. I did her Pinterest. Uh, She's everywhere. She's a great brand. She has a no BS approach to cloth diapering, which if you've been following for three years, that's kind of where we landed. Three years ago, when I started the cloth diaper podcast, I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I for sure thought, hey, something, something's going on here. I don't like this rumor mill. I feel like I'm spun up and caught up in all of this drama. And I never imagined that it would 
be where we are today. I have launched a giveaway that's going to end on the 27th of July over on the Cloth Diaper Podcast Instagram, and you can win a gift card to any of the brands who have shown up on the show. It is so amazing going back and listening to some of my early shows with Kat, with Taya, with Anna, with everybody else who showed up and supported me in the first year and to the long roster of brands who are curious about being on the show in the coming year. We have a lot of great new podcasts coming, a lot of great new projects, and hopefully a lot of great new inspiration. So until our next show in two weeks, bye.